Welcome to the Journal of Health Design. I am Moise G. You join me today in a conversation with Helen Parker, Director of Strategic Development at Pinnacle Ventures in New Zealand. Before moving to New Zealand in 2013, Helen was involved in the early design and implementation of super partnerships, new models of care and ownership models for general practice, and was a senior fellow with the health think tank, the Nuffield Trust. So what is your personal interest in improving the patient experience in healthcare? I think it's a mixture of both personal experience and professional. So I was, although um, it wasn't described at that time, I was a child carer of a disabled mother with a father who worked away a lot. So, and I say that that term as a child carer wasn't well known in the 70s. It's only in retrospect that I look back and see that that's what, my, my mother was disabled in a wheelchair from rheumatoid arthritis. And I think growing up with that, with someone who was highly dependent on medical and rehab services and seeing some of the difficulties of engaging with those services. And then also, as you know, my early career was in nursing, both hospital, but then predominantly primary care nursing, uh, general practice and district nursing. And you will know that you hear patient stories and you hear patients coming into the practice describing their experience of trying to make sense of different providers who do not communicate well, having a lack of information about their own health, about their understanding of health, about who they're supposed to be seeing, who, having been told different things and really not understanding. And it makes, and I, I did get a passion then for thinking I'd much rather, rather than being clinical practice, I would rather be working at a systems level to see if I could contribute to making it better. You wanted to be at a higher level than on, on the co at the coalface. Why, yeah. Why do you think the people at the coalface don't make as much an, of an impact? I, I think, well, I think each, I think each, provider does because uh, you know no, I've never met uh, a clinician or an, a non-clinical provider who comes to work to do a bad job I think that when you're at the coalface with a busy working day it's difficult to stand back and take a, a system or even a micro system view of what is going on because you are at the coalface and I think this is the the challenge for a lot of general practices is, and we often use the phrase, how do you rebuild the plane when you've still got to fly it? And I, and, and I think I am naturally a systems thinker. So I began to get much more interested in how systems work, what influences systems, what influences people to change, and was attracted to that environment, but with a, very, with a focus on how do we make things better for the people that are actually receiving the service, and also the people providing it too. Sure. So in your view, sort of what healthcare issues do you think are likely to be most problematic in the years ahead? And I think New Zealand's very like Australia and like the UK. In fact, we all have very mm -hmm. similar problems. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, there's a lot of public health data now for those three countries that's showing the multimorbidity or the increased amount of multimorbidity that is 
a lot of which is due to poor lifestyle choice. So I think, you know, one of the challenges for us is how do we provide care that helps people to stay healthy and and, and then when they're not so healthy, helps them to make better lifestyle choices when we have a predominantly biomedical primary care system. You know, Mm. one of the things that we've been working here in New Zealand is trying to bring in bring together the clinical knowledge that you need if someone ha- is sick or has got multimorbidity with though with that behavioral lifestyle therapy input that is actually going to help them when they're at home 365 days of the year making those lifestyle choices so lifestyle choices definitely i think we can agree is going to be the most challenging well and yet you know as a general practitioner i don't recognize that because a lot of what i do i feel is art yes yeah and i and I, yeah and i think you're right about that i would i would also say when we're working with practice teams to look at how do you within the resources you've got <laughs> accepting general practice does very well for the resources it's, it gets how do you support people to make better lifestyle choices and when we work with practices we see that you know when you look at a lot of the care plans they're very much clinical disease treatment plans yeah not always, but but and some of the work that we've been doing here is supporting those teams to take a bit more of a, a person centered approach and working with the patients. Of course, that takes time. It takes, uh, you know, a, a skill set that general practice might not have in it. And I think also, you know, just coming back to the funding, I think one of the big issues as well is the disproportionate funding for primary care, because we can't get away from that compared to hospital care. And so if we're wanting to promote self-care and keeping people healthy, then the funding for just we'll treat you when you're sick is a bit of a challenge. Again, speaking as a general practitioner, I would say that you're almost fighting a losing battle because, you know, the patient goes across to the shopping centre and there is a food court with all the foods that you really don't want them to be eating. We're expected to try and fix these lifestyle choices and yet they are being subjected to all of this much more potent nudging by commercial interests. Yeah, I think there's two aspects to this, isn't there? One is being realistic at the contribution of general practice to overall health outcomes. And also, as I was saying earlier, I've I've been quite taken with the work of Iora Health in the States and um, and went out and spent some time with them late last year. And we've, we've and I've been tracking their progress for a, a number of years now, and we've adopted uh, some of the things that they've done. So for example, bringing in community health workers from the local community, and particularly within our Maori community, to work with the clinical team and the patient and their family, but then they go out into the world where the family lives, so the house, go shopping with them, look at what they're cooking, how they're cooking it, and translate what the clinical team have been advising them to do into, well, actually, may not. perhaps you don't put that in your trolley, perhaps you put this type of fat in your trolley, or you don't put that fizzy drink in your trolley, you put this drink in your trolley, and then when you get home, let's look at how you're cooking it. And I think it's, and that's what I mean by bringing together the sort of medical model 
with the behavioral lifestyle model and certainly where we've been we've adopted that model we're getting some we're getting better outcomes than the general practice was getting on its own and those practices that have got access to those community health workers are actually now saying we need we need more of those more than maybe we need more clinicians so that brings me to the question what do you feel is the most important thing that could improve the patient experience more community health workers is one is there something else well i think there's lots i think i think probably the first thing is i think we need to listen more to what the patients are saying i think it's very easy and i include myself in this too it's so easy to have a provider perspective mm and assumptions on how people want to receive their healthcare and how they want to engage in their healthcare. And certainly we've done quite a few focus groups when we were developing particularly our healthcare home model with patients just listening to their stories and, and seeing how we can modify and adapt the way that we deliver services accepting you've got to balance that with a good provider working day as well to improve their patient experience so i think listening to them i think providing them with better access and means of engaging in their health so for example we've seen a high rate of patient satisfaction when they've been able to use a patient portal for um, engaging online with their clinical teams so they don't always have to go into the practice instant messaging their team being able to view their health record which I know is um, a hot political issue in Australia at the moment and being able for example to receive their tests and the doctors comment against all their tests on the portal so having that opportunity to improve the patient experience and then the third one I, I mean I could speak quite a lot about this but I think the third one then is I think when we started to look at valuing patients' time, we, we reviewed what the, the patient pathway in getting into a general practice, their time in the general practice, and then what the patients needed to do outside of the general practice, and where patients had to wait, where it wasn't adding any value to their care. So, for example, waiting to get on the phone to speak to the receptionist to book an appointment, waiting in the waiting room to actually go and see the doctor or the nurse, waiting for a prescription. And we looked at, let's try and cut out all those things that isn't actually valuing the patient time, which we were able to do, I think has, has improved the patient experience too. So if you were to pick one thing that's on the horizon right now that you think will make the, a big difference in outcomes, one thing, what one thing would you pick? I think if there's one thing that's going to improve the patient experience as yeah. opposed to necessarily their outcomes, mm. but you know, mm. patient experience being, being a very important outcome, I think it's the opportunity that technology provides to deliver care in a different way, in a more convenient way. So I think, so, so when I'm t what I mean by that is the patient portal that I've just described. I think the ability which we're just testing and rolling out now, the ability for patients to express their concern or issue or health or health issue online in their own time that then the practice team can review and, and get back to them. And I think the, the plethora now of apps that are available for a clinician or a clinical team and a patient and their peers to work together in an online community, I think will probably transform the way healthcare is delivered alongside be 
providing really, really smart face-to-face care because if you use technology appropriately, then people that don't need to come into the practice don't need to come in, saving the space for people that do and then they can get in. So, yeah, I think it's technology, but I think it's technology used to enable better care rather than technology being the, the outcome. So it's technology facilitating better care rather than take, taking over. Um, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And I think it's very much in combination with, you know, one of the things that we found here that's greatly enhanced the patient experience is having the choice of how they consult, albeit needs to be clinically safe and appropriate, that do they want to do they want to consult by email, telephone, video, or a face to face, and them having that choice? Do they want to do it in a group consult? Do they want to do it on a lot online with a with a peer community? And I think I think that's really transforming the way a way patients are engaging in their health, and it's actually providing much more variety for clinicians in their working day. They're not in that constant face to face. Uh, environment. So what would you like to see happen sooner rather than later? Uh, all practice is doing that. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent it's happening already because we're, we've all got some sort of engagement with people online. It, it is but it's patchy isn't it? Mm. So I, I'm being serious when I say I think I think what we'd like to see is not just the early adopters on the entrepreneurs and the willing doing that, but actually becoming a core service offer of your general practice, wherever you go, that you would have that choice. Mm. And at Mm. the moment, I think there's huge variation in that. We've still got practices where the medics will say, all my patients want to come and see me. So... Which individual or group, for that matter, anywhere across the world, whether it's here or in the US or, or in the UK, do you feel is making the greatest contribution to improving outcomes in healthcare and why? I think, I think in recent years, I think probably I would say Iowa Health in the way that they're engaging the uh, behavioural lifestyle change support with really high quality clinical care. Mm. Is, is pro- would probably be high up there. Yeah, It sounds like they're being innovative. They as are. As well as introducing in, in, innovation per se, they're actually being innovative in how they're engaging patients. Yes, in quite a challenging uh, political and funding environment as well. Uh, and that's the interesting thing too, isn't it? Because if you look at every country or every developed country, you'll see pockets of innovation where which is producing demonstrably good outcomes so not just um, anticipated outcomes and yet you don't see a, then adoption of that universally and that's a p you know why that is a phd in its own right um, <laughs> <laughs> but i i think if what if one thing's going to transform the patient experience and health outcomes, it's going to be how we respond to the way people want to live their lives and interact with services. So a very good paper, actually, you might have read it, that uh, triggered a lot of our thinking around this was by Oliver Wyman, The Patient to Consumer Revolution, mm-hmm. which talks about how health systems are shifting from very 
hospital centric to very multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary team centric to actually patient-centered services and technology has been a big driver of that. Sure. People living their lives on their smartphone for every other aspect of their life, but in many yeah. areas not able to do that for healthcare. Helen Parker states that lifestyle change is the most important challenge we face in healthcare and respect, respectful and meaningful engagement of the patient as our most pressing goal. This echoes many of our podcast guests. The Journal of Health Design. Better health by design.